You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on sqpn.com. Computer status report. Program complete. Enter when ready. Captain, I check the engines. The warp drive is a hopeless pile of junk. Fascinating. Beam me aboard. Energize. Energize. This episode is brought to you by the SQPN store at store.sqpn.com. Go to Amazon via the link on our website and your purchase will help support our network. This show is also made possible by donations from listeners like you. Help us to continue producing quality programs and giving them away for free by supporting us with a monthly donation or a one-time gift. Go to sqpn.com donate to read how you can help. Thank you for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. Captain, incoming message. Hey there, and welcome to the first episode of The Secrets of Star Trek, a brand new show about Star Trek, as the title implies. We're going to talk about Star Trek and everything Star Trek related. And to do that with me, I've got a panel of Star Trek fans, both Trekkers and Trekkies and other species. First of all, with us from Shelby Township in Michigan, Mike Kuypers. How are you today, sir? Oh, fine. Thank you, Father. It's good to be here. It's great to have you on the show. Also with us from Conyers, Georgia, Maria Johnson. Hi, gentlemen. Maria, are you, am, are you a Trekker or a Trekkie? I think I'm the only Trekkie in the group. I've got all the T-shirts and little <laughs> action figures and all of those goofy little things. Now, did you, did you dress up in your golden uh, c- Captain uh, pajamas for, for the show? <laughs> I am wearing my gold shirt. Excellent. Is that a, an original series shirt or a new generation? Actually, it's. Uh, I think it was one of the promos for the new Star Trek film. So it's. it looks like that one, not the old one. Fantastic. From a totally different part of this planet, from Groningen, the Netherlands, not far from where I'm located. Uh, Mark, how are you today? I am very good. It's great to have you on the show as well. Mark is, uh, is very knowledgeable when it comes to, uh, uh, to Star Trek. And uh, I've, I've, we've been chatting a lot in the past. And, and I was just baffled by the encyclopedial, encyclopedic, encyclopedic, a knowledge that you have uh, of Star Trek. And so uh, I think that we, uh, we, we will just use you as our, as our onboard Android uh, because you can quickly you search for data and just bring us whatever we need to know in terms of facts. <laughs> It sounds like I have a reputation to live up to. It'll be interesting. We'll see. And finally with us from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Steve Nelson. Hello. I'm I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited. You you are actually... a, a, a hidden Star Trek fan. I had no idea. We, we've known each other for years, and I had no idea that you you were into Star Trek. Oh, I've been watching it my whole life, and <clears throat> and uh, yeah, you asked Maria if she was a Trekker or a Trekkie. I think I've been a little bit of both over the years. So I'm excited to be able to talk about this. So are you a Trekker that has become a Trekkie, or are you a Trekkie that has actually grown up? And <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Maria. <laughs> Are you suggesting I haven't grown up? No, I'm not suggesting anything. <laughs> well, see. I started watching Star Trek when I was in junior high school, and so I uh, we were very much the Trekkies back then, but uh, I have to say in recent years I've been more of the Trekker. Very good. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we have a wide variety of both Trekkies and Trekkers, and perhaps not, you know, people that are not even into Star Trek that much in our audience, but... Uh, 
we're on our uh, common quest for understanding. And let me before we we head uh, on to with our with our first. Uh, um, let's say, segment of this show. Let me tell you a little bit about why we do The Secrets of Star Trek, because there are a lot of shows on, on, on the internet and a lot of websites and blogs about Star Trek. It is, I think, one of the most um, well-known franchises when it comes to science fiction in the world. It it's, it's literally spans generations. Uh, we've been watching Star Trek for 30 years now, and with the new movie uh, by J.J. Abrams, uh, we're definitely in for another whole you know new Generation, I think, of Star Trek fans and uh, and Star Trek stories. But the reason that we want to do this show, in spite of all the other shows that are already done about Star Trek, is that uh, we we've got a tradition at SQPN, which is a which is a platform for for a lot of uh, podcasts, um, to to want to go in depth when it comes to these popular stories and to try to. To find literally the secrets of the stories. What? What? Why is this such a cultural phenomenon? Why are there millions of Star Trek fans all over the world? Why do people dress up in, you know, red pajamas and have pointy ears and everything? Why? Why, why is this such a, a, a long-lasting phenomenon? It can only be, I think, because Star Trek is about stuff that we're into. Because Star Trek is almost like a mirror it's a reflection of the of the issues that we deal with in our in our current world and it also i think um touches on on our aspirations our ideals and so that is the kind of stuff that we want to talk about in this show but we want to do that in a in, a, in an entertaining way we, we we've done similar shows or we're still still currently doing similar shows about let's say the world of harry potter about the world of tolkien middle earth about star wars and so we we constantly try to bridge the gap between um popular culture stories and the underlying human themes or philosophical mythological religious themes that are part of the fabric of these stories and that makes us makes these stories so that we can relate to to them and so every show we will have, of course, a little bit of Star Trek banter because we're all Star Star Trek fans. So we, we, we need to have the fan talk in there as well. We, we want to talk about what we've watched lately or, you know, any anything Star Trek related. Uh, we might even have some adventures every once in a while where, you know, I'm planning on visiting some some Star Trek conventions and walk around there and have a, a little away mission and, uh, and plunge into that world. Um, but we also, in every episode, want to go a little bit in depth and talk about a certain theme. Um, in relationship to certain episodes, and and these episodes can be from all the series, you know. Uh, We're not specifically choosing the original series or Voyager or Enterprise or banning any other series. Everything Star Trek related can be part of, of this show. And and, and we, we kind of, as you can tell from the background noise, we, we are here on the bridge of a virtual Star Trek Enterprise uh, ship. But every once in a while, we will beam down to a place and we will interview someone. We'll have a guest, an expert on the show who is not part of our, let's say, our regular crew here on, on this virtual Enterprise, but, um, but someone who's kind of like a red shirt. He will be... He or she will be part of, of one or two episodes and then will disappear again. So um, we will see uh, who, we can, who we can reach. We, we've got an amazing first 
red shirt guy lined up for this episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. I'm, I'm very excited to have him on. Uh, we will beam down later to Amsterdam to interview him. Um, it, it, I can already tell who it is. It is uh, Mr. Shapiro, Dane Shapiro. He, he is a philosopher and he's a huge Star Trek fan and he combines both philosophy and his knowledge uh, of technology and new media with his passion for Star Trek and uh, I just interviewed him this morning uh, and, uh, and for the next two episodes he's going to be our red shirt guy Captain I suggest the Vulcan mind probe Spock you're the most cold blooded man I've ever known Why? thank you doctor Before we uh, beam down to uh, to Amsterdam, uh, let me ask you guys: uh, Have you watched any Star Trek lately, uh, Mike? Did you watch any Star Trek? <laughs> well, I, I've been kind of watching the third season, which is not the best season of Star Trek. But uh, you're talking about the original I, I, series, right? Yeah, the original series. That's what, yes. I, I mean, I watched the, the world is hollow for it, and I have touched the sky. Uh, was kind of an unusual story. <laughs> Disguised as a planet. These people have no idea they're living on a spaceship. Its temptations are irresistible. I order you to return with us. And I refuse. But its mission is lethal. Learn what it means to be our enemy. Enterprise is the target. To save the Enterprise. We'll have to blast it out of space. Kirk must sacrifice one of his own. Boy, what's happening? Fairphaser banks. Firephaser. Star Trek. There's always a lot of criticism on the third season of the original series because that's when uh, Gene Roddenberry left the show. He was he, there, were, there were a lot of conflicts surrounding you know the, the budget for the show, but also the time slot. And and this is something that has been I think part of the drama of the TV show uh, for eternity because every time you know the show would get canceled and it never reached its full potential because of all the other interests that played. And so there was a, a lot of uh, budget cuts in the third season and, and different writers and so do you do you appreciate this third season were there any redeeming episodes in this uh, third season oh, oh uh, yes there, there were some good episodes in there um, what's, what's the best one you've seen oh well <laughs> um, trying to think trying to think right now uh, <laughs> I, I'm yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm perhaps uh, putting you on the spot I, I here a little bit no 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 it's no, it's no Please. problem Please tell us that Spock's brain wasn't one of them. No, Spock's brain. That was... I couldn't believe they actually went oh, off the season. Remind me, uh, Maria, what, what's that episode about again? I, I heard it was one of the worst episodes in Star Trek history. They <laughs> they kidnapped Spock's brain and took it. <laughs> it was just They ridiculous. used it to operate a computer uh, <laughs> on a world. Uh, so he's becoming... Uh, Like uh, in, in the Doctor Who universe, like a da Dalek with uh, just a you know, like a, a, a synthetic body and, and and just his brains in there yeah, or, well, in a jar. Well, basically, he was running all the systems on the planet, the the heating and the, the you know the all the life support systems, and he didn't he didn't really realize where he was, and his he uh, he had a vague sense of what he was doing, but he wasn't sure of what it was and it, but uh, we knew that his his brain had been removed from his his body and transplanted into the uh, the computer and Kirk and his uh, friends had to come down 
uh, to this world and, and take back his brain. And they brought along Spock's body, which which they were operating with a remote control, like a TV. <laughs> really? <remote control. laughs> yeah, so he was like a robot. You know, they they would make him move forward and whatever. And, and at one point, they uh, they used him to... Uh, to to press this button on the on the, uh, the uh, this woman's uh, bracelet. She had a control bracelet, and and they were in pain because she had pressed the pain button. And and he advanced <laughs> forward and grabbed her wrist and pressed the button to cancel out the the thing because he was the only one uh, in, among them being unaffected because he was just box body without the brain. Okay. So, that sounds like I, a I weird thought, episode. Which, how did they know which button was the one to to, to grab her wrist oh, and boy. press the button? You know, I mean, it was just like a little TV remote control with a lot of different colored buttons on. I guess the, 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 the Star Trek nitpickers must have had a field day uh, with the, the, yeah, the third, was, third season of the not, original series. Yeah, it's not really one of the, the better episodes, but, it, you know, I mean, there were there were worse episodes, actually, you know. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a relief. There were worse episodes. There were, yes. I, I'm... Well, you know, just um, a disclaimer because I'm I'm hosting this show, but at the same time, I'm I'm still in the process of rewatching these original series. I uh, I watched them when I was a kid, but that was a long time ago, and uh, I, I've I've got the series on Blu-ray now. I'm so, I'm still rediscovering the first season, and it's so different to see these original episodes as an adult uh, compared to when I was still a kid, and I have such a different perception of of the stories, and and you you. I don't know. It's 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 like looking at the same thing with different eyes. And uh, but but I'm in the first season, which is definitely uh, uh, the, the the foundation of everything Star Wars. And so every time I watch an episode, it's like, oh wait a second, they used this idea in the Next Generation as well. Or oh this uh, this guy is just like Q later on in the series. Right. And so yeah. it's it's a yeah. lot of yeah, fun. Yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, they they. They reused ideas often, and especially during the, the uh, during the original series, they uh, there, you could see recurring plots over and over again, where the where the solution to the whole situation would be to be like destroy a computer, yeah, or in or in the case of Spock's brain, they just took his brain back, which removed. Well, isn't the, that? The, yeah, isn't and, that, and, that, that, and they isn't told that for, them, you know. Yeah. Well, now you'll have to learn how to live without the computer. <laughs> you know, you'll have to uh, you'll have to learn how to uh, to you know do all these things on your own, and we'll we'll help you at first, and, and goodbye. And then they went to their ship with their computers, and they they left. <laughs> well, Mike, <laughs> you know, so. in, in in my personal life, uh, it was when I went very nicely with it. They do, yeah. <laughs> in my personal life, when I have got a big problem, it's usually computer related, and the first solution yeah. that pops up in my head is I have to destroy this computer, especially since it's running Windows. <laughs> <That's> and <right. laughs> well, well, in in Star Trek, that was always the solution to to uh, all their problems when at the by the end of the episode they would do that and and then the the society that was being controlled by the computer totally dependent on the computer they would they would then have to fend for themselves after that and uh, and they would just you know the enterprise would leave and they were on their own <laughs> but so I, I which I I thought I always thought was kind of hypocritical since they they lived in a world of computers and, and you know, technology and everything. Uh, you know, 
but <laughs> well, and the technology is so painful to watch. I've been rewatching, and I'm I'm at about the end of the first season, uh-huh. and oh my goodness, just just to watch the the dials and and the. Um, but everything on the bridge, everything on the shuttles. That's the way that they imagined uh, computers at the time. <laughs> it would always had to make some noises like... <laughs> it would turn someone completely crazy. But that's kind of... If I've been watching um, uh, Lost in Space, the first episode in black and white on Hulu the other day. And it had the same... It was so funny. They, they show this space uh, center where, you know, for the launch of the of this spaceship. And all the computers are making the same type of noises that you hear in Star Trek is all like it takes forever for like a, a computer when it wants to send a message it's actually a piece of paper and it's like you hear the dot matrix printer coming out so well, but funny. that was real don't you remember modems you had to listen to the modem going dialing and then at the time when they were filming both Lost in Space and Star Trek that was science fiction I mean we didn't even they didn't even have computers as advanced as what they were showing whereas now we're watching rewatching that and it's, it's really campy. <laughs> yeah. You're making me laugh so much how jaded we are about technology now. <laughs> and when he first watched it, it was like, wouldn't it be great if we had a communication device we could hold in our hand? You know, yeah, things like flip that. it open. Or <laughs> yeah. a tricorder that could um, uh, diagnose a person's Yeah, health. could scan you someone. Know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a way, a lot of the technology at the time, which was just science fiction, has now become reality. And, and I think there is even, and this is a topic that we can definitely explore later on in, uh, in this series, is uh, I think that we see a lot of promise uh, when it comes to technology and a lot of things that are only now starting to realize itself, like the holodeck. I mean, we're, we're getting there. 3D television, you know, virtual reality. I think... Uh, <laughs> Well, anyway, I, I also had a, a, a cool discussion about this topic with um, with our redshirt guy uh, today about that because he's he's also a writer about technology and and he sees uh, a lot of um, let's say promise in Star Trek and and uh, and even Star Trek itself could could be an impulse could 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 be a game changer in the way that we that we approach and develop technology and he had some really interesting remarks about that and we will probably play that part of the interview uh, next week but um i propose that we dive into our first uh, topic of today's show which is leadership captain you have an alpha priority communication from starfleet command acknowledged Admiral Janeway, how good to see you again. John Luke. Now, we cannot talk about Star Trek without talking about leadership. Uh, every Star Trek series is centered around the bridge of a spaceship, and that bridge has a captain and it has its personnel. It's uh, the, the team around the captain, and, and very often the, the captain, or no, in, in, in every series, the captain is... The leader of the story, uh, the leader of the bridge, but also the the leading character of the story. And no matter how interesting the other characters are, you know, Spock by himself wouldn't be able to carry the series. You need a guy like like Kirk, who, despite the fact that he might not be as interesting as the other characters around him, um, is still you know the hero uh, character of of the story. And, and you need that. And and so often, the way that the story develops depends on the decisions um, 
the right decisions and sometimes the mistakes of, of the captain, of the leader. And so I thought that for this first episode of The Secrets of Star Trek, we might talk a little bit, a bit about these different leadership styles. And I asked my panel members to think about an episode that they watched where that is for them um, an example of, of leadership um, or, or illustrates a certain type of leadership. And, and I don't know if you all had time to, to prepare that, but uh, let me start with Steve. Um, what, who, for, who for you is the best leader uh, among the captains? Who, who, who is your favorite captain of, of the whole Star Trek uh, franchise? Oh, wow, that's a tough question. Um, <clears throat> I've always had an affinity for Captain Kirk and Captain Picard. Um, and they both had different qualities. And so if you want to talk about that, I can. But um, I, I particularly like Captain Kirk. Maybe it's just because I watch more of it than the others. But he always seemed to place uh, a high value on his own personal integrity. You know, this is the decision I made. I'm going to stand by it. Um, and so that's that's... That's kind of why I think I put him a little bit higher than some of the others. He also um, seems they, to be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he, as a captain, he also seems to be very approachable. And, and people are not afraid to, you know, to walk up to him, to give comments, to even criticize him openly. Whereas, whereas a guy like uh, uh, Picard is a little bit more distant in his, in his attitude. Uh, you know, he can right. be a little bit more grumpy and especially towards uh, Wesley Crusher, you know. Ah, I don't want to have that kid on the bridge. Oh, yeah, Picard, he do. seemed to... Uh, kid on the bridge. To, uh, <laughs> Did the wrong accent there. <laughs> <laughs> well, That'll be seems, my turn. <laughs> Picard seemed to uh, recognize the sort of military chain of command a little bit more than Kirk did. And so he was a little bit more reserved, I think, when it came to some of the other people on the ship. Yeah, but it, and I think that's a really good assessment because we we did see the military um, manifestation of Starfleet greater in the Next Generation than we did in in the original series. In what way? Um, well, with with the whole chain of command, I had some confusion when we were you know prepping for the show mm -hmm. in the last week or so. I think that in in this first season of the original series, they referred to the United Earth. Yeah. And it was only much later that it became the, the, the Federation of Planets. Yes, I think that's an idea, a concept that, that kind of evolved over time. And so, f for you, Picard is more of a military uh, captain. Uh, it's, it's, his, his, his tagline, of course, is, make it so. And, uh, yeah. and that seems to be beyond any, you know, that, that's, you just have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Kirk well, he, seems to be more vulnerable as a as a as a leader as a captain, and 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 every every once in a while gets taken over by a double of himself. That's a, I think that's another plot device that they use. At least I've, I've only watched the first series, but it already occurred like two or three times where <laughs> there's like a, a clone of him or like a he himself becomes like bipolar and and so he's not the perfect hero. He's not he's not the flawless no. captain, but he still saves the day at the end of the of the show. What do you all think of on that? Uh, on that yeah. theme, Father, if I could add, um, instead of choosing a captain, I just thought of a, of an episode in particular that struck me about leadership, mm -hmm. and and I selected the Enemy Within, which was one of the first few episodes of of uh, the original series, and in it, uh, Kirk gets caught in an accident, in a transporter accident, and he's divided in two. 
and there's you know the evil Kirk and the good Kirk, mm-hmm. and that that very much touches on on some archetypes of of uh, I think. One of the terms I've seen it used at is the Madonna whore, the two extremes of personality, where you can be extremely good uh, or, or extremely bad. And of course, the human condition is is the whole the whole spectrum of of possibility within it. And so I thought that that was a really neat concept uh, in an episode. Of course, Shatner's acting in that one was over the top. Um, yeah, but it was cool, nevertheless, because it was. It, <laughs> it, 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 he he definitely went over the top, but it was so funny because you're used to the, you know, the brash captain, and he's always fighting, and uh, is funny and has humor, and now he plays, you know, the the good Captain Kirk is is a wuss. He's just like. <laughs> he doesn't know what to do. He's kind of like, I don't know what to do. And he's asking advice and it's you know, he's decisiveness. And then the other one is just like, this pushy, irritating, extremely uh, you know, dominant guy and violent guy. Yeah. And and who is he's got this this almost like a hidden evil side that that you hardly ever see in the like the the united uh, Kirk. But it's kind of like the the hidden dark side that that is in everyone, I think. But yeah, I, I I really like that episode. How did that end? I forgot. Did, how does he get reunited again? Does he, he retransport he to, it? Yeah, they have to they have to put him back into the transporter and and mm. and unite them. But it, it he sucker sucker Kirk gets uh, beat up by bad Kirk first, and then uh, oh true. And isn't the he bad, has isn't to show his compa- Good Kirk has to show his compassion for bad Kirk to to bring them together, because he has the realization that that both extremes of of, of the personality must come together, yeah. and and work positively for good. But that also touches, I think, on something that that Steve was mentioning about why you know he he has uh, such regard for Picard, and when you said that Picard says make it so. There's such an implicit trust of the abilities of his crew to say that, you know, because to say make it so means, okay, this is what I want you to do, and now I trust you to go do it, so do it. Right. In, in my mind, there are almost two different Picards. There's like before he was one of the Borg and after he was one of the Borg. And it seems to me like uh, after the Borg, you know, when he comes back and he seems to be more human in a way his humanity seems to come out more after that experience Mm -hmm. would you agree to that would you agree with that well it's almost like he's been on a journey of self-discovery and then he had to go through that phase to acknowledge the presence of these both these tendencies in his life and then when he's when he's kind of merged back together it it enriches him to have had those two extreme polar opposites uh i don't know it's uh but you did was that a lasting change? Do you see a lasting behavioral change after that episode, or is that just in the episode itself? I think in the in the following episodes, he seems more willing to sacrifice himself for the good of the ship in a way that was different than before. Hmm. Could be well because belonging to the collective really introduced him to 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 the sense of belonging. Um, you know, he had some tragedies in his life. Didn't he lose his brother and his nephew to a fire and at the vineyard? And you know, there are things like that there that he struggled with his humanity. And it's interesting. You're, I think that Steve really did hit it well. The fact that his humanity was taken away from him awakened him to 
the importance of 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 the compassion and the, the, those other things that that he lost as a part of the collective. He was kind of an automaton at the beginning of the series. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Interesting. So um, the fact that he became a Borg for a while actually humanized him a little bit more. <laughs> Or added perhaps a layer to his own, you know, uh, to, to, to his personality. Interesting. I've never heard that uh, analysis. Um, Mark, what is your uh, favorite episode when it comes to uh, Star Trek leadership? I find it very hard, actually, to, uh, to pick an episode. But uh, it's because I didn't have a lot of time, actually, to prepare because I didn't read your email until this morning. <laughs> but that's just my fault. <laughs> no, it's totally um, my fault. <laughs> These yes. darn old-fashioned communication devices don't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if I had to pick, a, if I had to look at leadership and pick a favorite captain, for example, that w- that would be Benjamin Sisko, actually. Sisko, interesting. Yes. Why that? From DS Nine. That, yes, that's because of his his humanity, really. Just just like Steve said earlier about about Captain Picard after after he uh, was part of the collective, uh, that his human side. Um, came to the fore much more. Mm-hmm. I think that was from the very start. That was the case with Cisco, because we, because he, because his his story also started with the Borg. We in the first episode of Deep Space Nine, we pick up we pick up in at the Battle of Wolf Three Five Nine, where Cisco was at as well, where he lost his wife. And when he comes to Deep Space Nine, he's basically only starting to rebuild his life. So the uh, the very personal human elements of his person were there for the very start, and and you see that throughout his leadership. And that makes it really interesting for me. Fascinating. Um, I would love to continue this uh, discussion uh, some other time, but uh, I think it's time to beam down to Amsterdam and meet our guest of today. And so uh, after that, we'll, uh, we'll be back and uh, we'll wrap up the show. And it's time for our uh, first away mission here on The Secrets of Star Trek. And um, we have uh, beamed down to Amsterdam. I'm here at the Public Library. And I'm going to talk with our first guest of, uh, of this new series about Star Trek. And I'm honored and a little bit surprised, because this wasn't planned, to be talking to Alan N. Shapiro. Is that correct? Yes. Alan Shapiro is the author of uh, a very well-known book about Star Trek, uh, kind of a almost a philosophy of Star Trek called The Technologies of Disappearance. Can you tell us a little bit about that book? Well, it's very much of an academic book. It took me about seven years to write. And there's a prestigious academic journal in America called Science Fiction Studies, and they called my book the most important work in the field since 1993. So what I try to do is establish a new paradigm for media studies and science fiction studies, uh, taking Star Trek as a prototypical example. And I am a Star Trek fan. I love Star Trek. And that's already a change in methodology from from the standard academic approach where that's you're actually, supposed to be yeah. objective and neutral. And and it's pretty rare that uh, like um, academic writers uh, are, have an interest for something that is much as so much uh, popular culture like Star Trek. I mean, there uh, we had a discussion earlier on uh, about how people seem to latch on to movies like Blade Runner and kind of the art more the the art house uh, science fiction movies 
and and not that much. There's not much interest for Star Trek. However, you take Star Trek very seriously. Um, why is that? Well, the original Star Trek series of the '60s with Kirk and Spock, in, uh, originated by Gene Roddenberry, it has <clears throat> great literary qualities. The 79 episodes, many of them were inspired by mythological themes from many cultures. They were written by great science fiction writers of the time, like Harlan Ellison and Theodore Sturgeon. And I think I, I said in an interview recently on German national radio that I consider Star Trek to be a great text of Western civilization similar to the Bible or Shakespeare. And now for uh, our listeners might not all be familiar with that concept of text. What do you mean by that? Well, a text means a book. Uh, but we have to expand the concept that uh, only a book is a text uh, really anything can be a text if it's a, a rich enough network of associations. Mm -hmm. uh, psychoanalysis has said that the mind is, is a text and all of the dreams and fantasies and memories we have in the mind are like a text and I think the Bible is a, is a, is a great text. It's a story and a text is actually also something in a way Author, authorless. It's so great. It tells us so much about what's going on uh, that it that it transcends having been written by a particular human author, and you could almost say that it was written by God. And that that's the fascinating aspect, of course, of Star Trek. It's it through through these throughout the years. I mean, Star Trek is is now a, a, a multi generational phenomenon. And so many different writers have contributed to this, this universe, and yet there's, there are a lot of consistent themes that come back. And, uh, and even in the, in the very latest incarnation of Star Trek, the, the new movie by J.J. Abrams, you see that they actually refer back to the, the very beginning uh, of you know, the, these, these original series. And um, according to you, what, what are kind of the constant important like foundational themes in Star Trek, which which ones would you would you see? Well, I think there's a very important political theme in Star Trek about the unification of planet Earth in a good way, not globalization run by big capitalist corporations and the destruction of singular cultures and languages and localities as we have experienced. But Star Trek gives us an alternative vision of globalization, respecting the otherness and uniqueness of cultures and languages. Uh, we're living in a time of a, what I call a sort of Tower of Babel situation. Uh, I mean, talking about philosophy and theology, mm -hmm. uh, I see a lot of value in Christianity, in Judaism, in Buddhism, in Islam, in Hinduism, and in atheism. I think all those uh, belief systems 
have a lot in common and much more in common than the than many of the individual believers of those faiths uh, want to acknowledge. So I think Star Trek, in, in order for Earth to become a member of the United Federation of Planets, which is the, you know, the prerequisite to the existence of the Star Trek universe, first Earth had to figure out how to transcend the history of violence and the barbarity of human history. And that's what you find again and again uh, with, with Kirk and then with Captain Picard and the next generation. They encounter civilizations much more advanced than we are. And what, what recurs again and again is these advanced civilizations are horrified by Earth history and Earth culture because we're so violent, we're so barbaric, we still make wars. You see, and we need to become peaceful, in the, in, I think, in the sense that the Dalai Lama talks about. And, and Star Trek shows us that. So we need, a, I think, a, a, a unified global philosophy and religion, theology, which does not water down individual religions and philosophical systems, but preserves uh, in depth the most valuable things they have to offer in, in, and then something unified. And we're back after this uh, first part of the interview that I had with uh, Mr. Shapiro about Star Trek and about philosophy. And as you can tell, there there is so much in there. And just talking with him was so stimulating. We, we actually forgot about the time. This, this, this interview happened totally by accident. I was in Amsterdam for an interview about libraries, actually. And he was in Amsterdam for a congress about Wikipedia. And so we were both... Uh, guests in in uh, in um, an internet TV show, and then I heard that he was a big Star Trek fan, and he heard that I was about to start a new series about the secrets of Star Trek, and so he said, "Let's do an interview," and I could have sat there for for hours. Uh, it's so interesting to 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 think even on a philosophical level about the the importance of Star Trek, about not just the cultural impact, but also all the ideas, and to think about the these these meta questions. Why, you know, why does it resonate so much? And 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 there again, one of the reasons that I wanted to do the Secrets of Star Trek is that there is such an abundance of themes, uh, both moral themes, philosophical themes, uh, things like you know, war, uh, forgiveness, self-sacrifice, you name it. It's all in Star Trek because Star Trek itself is like a mirror of our of our society. And so I had a I had a blast um, talking to uh, to Mr. Shapiro, and we'll bring him back. We'll we'll beam down one more time in the second uh, episode of the Secrets of Star Trek. So stay tuned for that. It's now uh, time to uh, to wrap up our show, um, our first ever episode, and I want to thank uh, our four panel members for uh, for joining me today on the bridge. Um, let me let me do a, a one final round. Do you have any tips of? Um, you can either plug your own website, or you, do you have a tip of an episode that you 
you invite people to rewatch or you know something like that? Do you know a place where you can buy pointy ears for for uh, for a cheap for a good price? <laughs> <laughs> Steve, any tips? Uh, I recently found a great website, and is it all right to plug somebody else's website? Sure, go ahead. Absolutely, <laughs> it's called WatchTrek.com. And I don't, I don't know who puts this out, but all of the different episodes of the TV shows are out there, and that's where I've been watching the uh, the first season. Okay, uh, I think the the episodes, uh, at least the original series, are also up on on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. At least the American YouTube, because of course this is all kind of uh, all there. It's it's like publishing. Uh, there are so many different international rules about about these things so sometimes if you go to a website it might actually be region blocked so uh, so I don't know if the, the the websites that we mention are available to all our listeners but uh, that's a good tip Mike any plugs any final thoughts uh, no <laughs> not really <laughs> live long and prosper <laughs> very good that's, that's a very good one yeah, that's, that's not very well I think that uh, Maria Johnson is currently on a uh, short away mission uh, she, she's currently unavailable yeah, on I, Skype I've been there myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are some sometimes uh, we're still in the 21st century so our, our technology sometimes fails but we'll definitely beam her up again for our second episode I'll include a link to uh, to her blog on uh, on the show notes of this episode that you can find at sqpn.com and, and if you want to hear more uh, from Maria you can also listen to our show The Secrets of Farmville and The Secrets of Harry Potter and to Catholic Weekend she is a part of uh, of these three shows uh, finally Mark do you have a blog or a place where people can find you or follow you well they can follow me but there's not a lot of Star Trek there that's, that's no uh, problem. Uh, our world no is pro- bigger than just Star Trek, right? We, we're always <laughs> but, happy to explore strange new worlds. <laughs> well, I fit that description. Uh, no, no, I've got my own blog. It's called uh, Incelo, as in Incelo et Terra from the Our Father. WordPress. Com. Very good. And what's it uh, about? That's about um, the Catholic Church in this country, in the, in the, the Netherlands, and some other stuff which interests me every now and again. And is it uh, in an alien language or in regular English? Yes, it's an it's an alien English. Yes, no, alien it's in, English. <laughs> it's in fairly normal English, with a bit of Dutch thrown in for good measure. Perfect. Well, I think that wraps it up for today's episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. You can reach us via email with your uh, your comments, your questions. If you have any ideas for the show also, let us know. Uh, if you know any Star Trek celebrities or you are a Star Trek celebrity yourself, uh, don't hesitate to contact us. We would love to have you on one of our shows. We'll beam down to you and have you as a red shirt, red shirt person on our show. And we, we promise that we won't kill you off. And so um, you can reach us, Star Trek at sqpn.com and uh, sqpn.com is also the website where you can find all the other episodes that we produce. Thanks for listening. Take care and uh, live long and prosper. SQPN leading the way in Catholic new media.